Thanks for joining us for another great message from Futures Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to futures.church. And now for our message. I'm going to teach you today how to receive. How to receive from God. And I'm going to do this because I love today. I'm excited by it. I know you are. Today we've got a heart for house offering. Isn't that cool, right? And uh, you're over, over the moon. And, uh, but we've got a heart for house offering. And every year we do this for a number of reasons. Because hey, this is not about fundraising. If you think that's what it is, you are mistaken. Uh, 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 God has enough. This is about faith. This is about every one of us bringing our measure of faith. And what happens is when you bring faith and you position finance, which Jesus says is always gonna be the opposing God, the, 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 the God of this world is money. When I position my money to serve God and vision, there's an acceleration of what, what normally takes so long. Take our wellness clinic. That should never be where it is right now, except for people given in faith where the impossible is made possible or the probable is, the, the time frame is expediated to the place where we can now live in the fruit of faith of a year ago because the church united together to say, let's do something that God's showing us that could never happen in the natural except for unified faith. And I love this moment because all of us have that opportunity together if you're part of our church to in faith. But what I also love, and you may not notice this trend, but now you will, because I'll tell you, is in the months following this offering every year, we have an incredible move of God. It's like you watch what happens in the next months. There's this flow of, of oil of the anointing of the Holy Spirit that happens in worship. There's like this ease of entering into God's presence. We see miracles and things that happen in these next months, and I'll tell you why. It's because when you come together in faith, in one accord, in Jesus' name, He promises that He'll be there. But I can't get this scripture out of my head. Uh, it's where, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It's like oil poured on their head. What happens is when we come together in unity, in faith, in one direction under one name, there's a special anointing that comes when we say, I'm not just coming for me, but I'm coming united together for the sake of others, stepping in faith faith, there's like an anointing that flows. So I actually believe in these next months, watch the encounters that are possible in your life. And when we gather together in church, but the problem is, do you know how to receive? So many of us know how to give and we know how to, what to do. The, uh, uh, Peter talked about when in Acts chapter two, in these last days, I'll pour out the Holy Spirit, of course. I'll pour out my spirit on all people, everyone say all people. The Holy Spirit pour is poured out, but not many of us know how to receive. It's never a pouring problem, it's always a receiving problem. Uh, so many people don't hear God's voice, but He's talking, always. His presence, He's, he's, he's Emmanuel, He's God with us all the time, but sometimes we're not aware that He's there. It's actually often not a, a God problem, no, it never is, because He's God, it, it's actually, a problem of us being able to receive. And today when we're going to give, and I'm gonna do this next week too, next week I'm gonna teach you how to be present. 
And then we're gonna do a series on conviction. How do you have biblical conviction? And then we're gonna do a series on the names of God. So it's gonna be a good few months, right? But these next few weeks as we give, I actually wanna teach you first how to receive. Is that okay? It's not, it's what I'm doing. Uh, so the reality is God has gifts for all of us. He has answers for all of us. His voice is speaking to all of us. His grace for difficulty is there for all of us. His presence is with all of us. Often we just don't know how to receive. So today I just wanna simply show you one principle, how to take off your shoes in His presence. Now I wanna be clear. I want no one to remove their shoes today. This is not a literal thing, this is a spiritual thing. It's a, it's a little bit weird. Sometimes people feel that when people take off their shoes in the Bible, it's a literal thing we have to do. It's not. As you look through the Old Testament up to Jesus' death and resurrection, there was a physical response that Jesus then took us to a spiritual response. So they used to sacrifice a whole lot and uh, a lot of barbecuing. And, 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 but when Jesus came, we no longer have to sacrifice, but now because of His sacrifice, we are are a living sacrifice. When we sin, we don't separate ourselves and go and cleanse, but because of Jesus, our sins are separated from us and we're cleansed in the grace of God. What was physical is now spiritual. And as we look through the Old Testament, even up to Jesus' death and resurrection, they would pop off their shoes, but now we don't literally have to take off our shoes in His presence, but spiritually, we do have to take some things off. It actually helps us to receive. Shoes are all the way through the Bible. Uh, shoes are important. You've actually got to put your shoes on. It's important to wear shoes. Like spiritually, it's a picture of the physical. Like, you know, the shoes in the Bible are always about action and we need to have action. Faith without works is dead. There's, ra- there's a race to run. There's a journey to walk. There's fights to fight. God wants you to lace up your shoes and get about business. We see in, 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 I think, Exodus, uh, if Beck will put it up, the Israelites, as they, as they journeyed and went through all of the desert, yes, it was Deuteronomy. Ah, okay. Uh, um, so in Deuteronomy, uh, God protects their feet. They've got a big journey to go on. So He makes sure that their sandals never wear out. As we see Peter in prison in Acts, I'm certain of this one, uh, and in Acts, and, and the angel comes and he opens the doors and he takes off the chains and he, Freeze Peter, but you know what he gives Peter the responsibility to do? Put on your shoes. Uh, As we look in Ephesians and we look at the armour of God, sword of the Spirit, shield of faith, uh, the helmet of salvation. I tell you what, you don't go far unless your feet are fitted or shod uh, with, with the gospel of peace. Our shoes matter. But there also is a time before we run because we've all got a race to run and I actually think we're really good at running and we're really good at doing and we're really good at working. I mean, I learned in my family how to work hard. We all work hard. But am I good at receiving? See, the biblical order, if you wanna run for God, is resting in, receiving from and running for. But we run for more than we receive from because we're no good at resting in and being still in His presence. You see, we live in a world where we have a mentality of getting things. You get what you deserve. You get what you work for. You get what you earn, what you work for. But the Bible is not a book of getting things. The Bible is a book of receiving things. If you believe, you shall receive. 
We we never got the Holy Spirit. We receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, as many have received this good news. It, this is it's the it's the story of not getting or earning or deserving or striving or working. It's the story of receiving. But the reality is, especially in a, in a country like Australia where we all work so hard, is that we expect that we get what we deserve. And for most people, we struggle with this because we feel that the breakthrough in your family and your workplace you have to work for, and, and the healing you have to be good enough to be able to receive, and, and that if you can just prove to God through maybe your devotion or your church attendance, then the favor of God will be there. But it's so easy to turn up to church and go through the motions but not actually receive anything. I actually feel like we can tick the box and do our devotions and we feel therefore because I've done my devotions, shouldn't I have the favour of God? It was never about you doing to earn, it was actually about doing to receive. And it actually takes a very different posture because once you've received, you do have to lace up your shoes and run, but the truth is you have to first take your shoes off and receive before you can go and lead your home or do what God's got for you in your workplace or in your university or even for God. You see, there's nothing you can do to earn or buy salvation. There's nothing you can do to earn grace. It's not about how many chapters you read so that I can get my forgiveness. It's not about how hard you work for God so that he would heal my body. That's not how it works. And do we have to serve and do we have to believe and do we have to go? Absolutely. For everything in kingdom is held in tension. But while I have to go, I first have to learn how to receive. Amen? There are moments to fight and there are moments to receive. There are moments to go but those moments of going come from moments of stopping and receiving. And I believe in this season where I see pattern after pattern, year after year, this great outpouring that comes from great moments of faith, I don't want you to be in the room and miss it. Sometimes you can talk to someone after church and, and they'll say, oh, I didn't get much out of that today. You talk to someone else and they're like, oh my gosh, I got from God. It, it wasn't the difference in a song choice or where you sat or the heating or the cooling or the tears or the floor. It's actually about your posture of being able to receive. The Bible says, if you're gonna freely give, first you have to freely receive. It says to be still and know that he is God to have a belief before you go out and fight that the battle belongs to the Lord. See, the part we're not good at is actually taking off our shoes. There's something, there's something about taking off your shoes. There's this, you know, when you get work a big day, I mean, all you wanna do when your day is done is what? Get home and kick off your shoes. Girls, I don't know how you wear high heels. Uh, I mean, uh, my wife's grateful that this sneaker 90s trend is coming back in because it's not coming home and just kicking those things off and getting your feet on the shag carpet. Oh, nothing like it. Getting your slippers on. Do you know, kick off your feet, kick off your, kick off your feet, that would hurt. Kick off your shoes after a big day. I mean, nothing like jumping in a pool, but what do people do? But they take off their shoes. And they dip their toe in the water. It's something about getting your shoes off. Position yourself to relax. There's this thing called earthing. And it sounds like a real hippie thing, but apparently there's some science around it that there's actual like benefits from taking your shoes off and just standing on the earth. 
does sound hippie, doesn't it? But it's real. I've looked into it on Wikipedia. And uh, or, 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 I know you, but you've done this after a big day. Maybe some of your mums and dads understand when the house is in chaos, you just need to get a cup of tea and go stand out on the lawn. And what they say is that there literally are electrons that go from the earth into your body and they, and they bring healing to your body as you just take off your shoes for a moment and just be still. Uh, who likes massage? Anyone here? All of you. I'm the only one that doesn't. Uh, does anyone like a good foot massage? Oh my goodness. Who thinks a foot massage is weird? I do. I struggle with it. I, I struggle with massage in general. But my, my wife, nothing more relaxing than kicking off the shoes and someone manipulating your feet. I think it's weird. Like they get oil on and then they, I was in Bali recently and I got a foot massage for an hour. And what sat with, you know, with the nuns where we're sitting there and what some people would call heaven, I would call hell. As this lady, like, you know, it's okay, I paid two bucks for it. And for an hour, they, they like clicked my toes and, and like massaged between them and, and tried to probe in the middle of them. And it was, it was awful, it was absolutely horrible. Uh, and uh, a few years before that, maybe 10 years before that, uh, I don't like massage, my wife's a remedial massage therapist, so God's got a funny sense of humor. And, uh, and we went to Bali and Shans knows I don't like massage so, she, massage, so she's like, get a hot stone massage. It doesn't have someone manipulating and touching your back, which is weird for me. And so you lay on your front, and what she didn't tell me is that they then put boiling hot rocks on your back. And while you lay there getting third degree burn, they go and massage your feet. Okay, and they literally, they lather your feet in oil and you can't move because you're literally like, say stoned, but no. Uh, and you're like, you have these hot stones on your back and you're laying there burning while they're probing your feet with oil. And then they walk out and say, Relax. Shans is in the cubicle next to me, right? And there's like this room with like decking and the bed and, and laying there. And I've like, if you know, I've got twitches. Like, so I, I'm, I can't stay still most of the time. But anyway, I have these twitches too. And as I, all the time, my body, now you're gonna watch me, look, watch the freak show. But uh, as I, if I'm still, my, my, my body moves. But now I've gotta lay still with boiling hot rocks on me. So all Shans is hearing in the cubicle next to me is as I'm laying there, uh, uh, she's hearing these I'm twitching and these rocks are falling on the decking. And, uh, and, she, and she's like, oh, I'm like, sorry, sorry, I'll fix it. And they're like, you okay, sir? Well, I'm trying to pick up these rocks and get them back on my back. And she's coming in, pushing on my feet and the rocks are dropping. And, the, and so eventually I said, Chance, I, I got up, got all the rocks off me, uh, needed to get an ice pack. And I walk out and I walk out because I'm done, just done. And, and there's this, Again, wooden stairs down to where you get your shoes. And as I walked down and said, Shans, I'm out of here, I forgot I had oil on my feet. And I literally got out and my feet went above my head and I landed on my back, which was already burnt and now it's damaged. And I'm like, who wants a massage? <laughs> Has nothing to do with anything except it's a funny story. <laughs> but you take, take your shoes off. You take your shoes off when you're about to receive. The Bible's filled with moments like this. This is going somewhere, I promise. <laughs> the burning bush we see in Exodus, as Moses is about to be given assignment, there's work to be done. Do up your shoes, man, get ready to run. This is not gonna be easy. But God first instructs him and it says, the angel of the Lord, it's very specific. This is Jesus through the burning bush says to Moses, take off your sandals. 
first receive before you go. Joshua is now in the book of Joshua 5. He, he's, he's, he needs courage and he needs boldness and he needs a plan and he needs the answers because God's given him a mission to do. It's not that you don't have to lace up your boots and get and fight some battles except for God, the angel of the Lord. Again, Jesus says, now take off your sandals because this is holy ground. We see Jesus before he goes to the cross and does the mission that he has to do. The sandals have to come off and a woman comes in and with her tears and perfume washes his feet. Because even Jesus had to get in a posture of taking off his shoes before he went into mission and receiving. We see the disciples as they're about to be given their greatest mission and Jesus is about to go. He says, come to this dinner that I've prepared for you. But as they entered into the upper room in that last supper, what does Jesus deliberately do? He takes their shoes off and he washes their feet because there's something about receiving before running. You see, why do we have to do this? And just the keys can come. You see, there's a spiritual response that we have that is, is a spiritual connection to do with this physical response that we see in the Old Testament in the early parts of the New. It's that when I come into God's presence, I have to not do, I have to receive. Now, I understand everything's held in tension. You have to boldly come into the throne and we're there, to, the throne room of God, and we're there to worship Him. But also, you have to come in humbly and you have to learn to receive. So many of us, I wanna say this, including me, so many of us do time with God. We don't receive in our time with God. So many of us come and do worship, but we don't know how to posture ourselves to receive in worship. And I believe there's gonna be an oil. I believe there's gonna be a grace and an anointing. I've seen it too many times to not prepare you for what God's about to do, but you can miss it. You can be in the room, but not in the moment. I was uh, with a guy called Jonathan. Uh, he's from India, from Bangalore. He runs a place called Bangalore City Mission and they educate kids and they don't get an education and they rescue kids out of poverty. This week, and I was just talking about his story. and He told me a story about when he was a young boy and he was walking through a field. And the owner of the field came to him and said, get your shoes off in my field. And what he didn't understand until then was that in India, there was a caste system. There was, like, there was a higher caste and a lower caste. And he never realised, because his parents brought him up, letting him know he was a champion and, and that who he was, it was never determined by someone else. But, but he realised at that point, he was a lower caste, which meant if you were lower caste and you walked through someone's field that was upper caste, you would have to remove your shoes as a sign that you were less than so that you would be humbled. And while that is wrong and unfair when it comes to us as humans, it actually is the posture we have to take when we come to God. See, you are more than a conqueror. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You are a child of God. You are seated with heavenly places. That is true. But equally so, when we come into the presence of God, we have to remember that He is holy and I am not that He is righteous and I am not, that He is perfect and I am not, that He is the answer and I am not. And it's there that we see like Jonathan had to do in the natural and Moses had to do in the natural and Joshua had to do in the natural. We have to do in the spiritual. We have to posture ourselves in a place of humility that says, God, I can't do this on my own. I can't just read and pray and do and then go to and bring all the control back. God, I come in letting go. 
I choose to remember who you are. I choose to remember who I am. And but by the grace of God, I enter into your presence. But because of Jesus, I have no right to be here. So I come in humbly, willingly, taking off my shoes, doing what James says, that when I humble myself before the Lord, He lifts us up. That He resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Can I say, when you come into the presence of God, it's not about doing and it's not about working and it's not about striving for His approval. And I actually think this stops us from receiving. You have to choose to take off your shoes, take off pride, take off control and let the Holy Spirit come and minister to you. It's saying, God, I can't run into my day without you. It's saying, God, I can't lead this marriage without you. It's saying, God, I can't go and do my workplace. I can't raise these kids without your grace and anointing. I can't work through the battles of my mind without you coming and speaking and healing and receiving. I can't walk into this next season as confident and controlled as I think I am. God, in your presence, I remove my shoes, I remove control and I step into this holy place. You see, there's a spirit and posture of barefooted inability that we actually have to have. A weakness and incapacity, a submission and surrender that says, it's okay, I'm weak and He's strong. That I'm poor, but He's rich. That I'm insufficient, but He is the all-sufficient one. This is what stops us just praying prayers, God bless what I'm doing. He wants you to ask, understand this, this is the tension. He wants you to boldly come and ask, yet not tell because it's not my answers and my ways, but His answers and His ways that I want. So it's not God just bless the decisions that I've made, it's God be the lamp to my feet and the light to my path and you lead my steps. It's He leads the steps of a righteous man, not I am the righteous man and He blesses my steps. It's me taking a humble position that says, I don't have to have it all together, but you are my answer. It's taking off self-dependence. See, I was reading in the story of Boaz and Ruth and Naomi this week that when there was an exchange that took place, and then you look at this through Scripture, in the Middle East, when you would make an exchange with someone, that you would exchange possession or exchange lands, you know what they did? Is they would exchange sandals as a sign of it. That they would now say, I am standing where you are standing. And what was yours is now mine, and what is mine is now yours. Isn't this the story of God? Is that we take off our shoes as He humbled Himself, didn't take the position as, as, as God as something to cling to, but took the position of a bondservant and came and lived a perfect life, yet died a sinner's death, Philippians tells us. This is what Jesus did, is that I ta He takes my my sin and I take His righteousness, that He became weak so that I could become strong, that He became poor so that I could become rich, that He died that I would live, that I have to then be willing to take off my posture and accept my position with God, not just at salvation, but daily. This also means that when I come in to spend time and when I worship, I have to let go of my pride. It means I have to let go of my pain. It means I have to let go of my insecurity. It means I have to let go of my disappointment. It means I have to let go of even my hope and I give it all to Him and I receive what He has.
It's that with reverence and respect, I understand that He is holy. And my best efforts are like a dirty rag. The team can come. This is what Shans was saying at the start. Are you willing to give Him the weight and come and receive? Or are you carrying the weight of your family and your business and your job and your kids and your career and you're hoping God blesses what you carry? But Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He never said there wouldn't be a yoke and a burden. There's work to be done. The shoes have got to be laced up. We've got to run. But first we posture ourselves to receive grace to carry what God has given to you. See, without it, you can't go far. Sometimes we want God just to know us. No, it's be still and know that I am God. Because this is how you get joy in your time of worship. This is how you get joy out of your devotional life. It's not about just reading 10 chapters and praying for a certain amount of time that makes me feel holy and righteous, but it says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. How do I get joy? Well, Jesus said in John 15, if you want fruit, more fruit, much fruit and lasting fruit, He said, what is that fruit? He said, that fruit is that your joy will be filled to the brim. Yes, your joy will overflow. How do I get my joy? Well, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And the Bible says, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So sometimes we're going in the strength we already know and hoping that joy finds us. No, it's wait on the Lord and know that He is God and you are not. And there as you wait and abide in Him, joy and strength comes that helps you to go the journey, not just because He's blessed you, but that you've chosen to receive from Him. See, if I'm honest, as God's revealed this to me and shown me this has to be applied to my life more and more, my prayer life in the last week has changed. For Ken, there was a day, a couple, at the start of this week where this was my prayer all morning. God, I'm broken. It wasn't a self-defeating throw hands up in the air, there is no hope. But the more you realise, the more I realise I'm not good at receiving, the more I realise I need to receive. And the more I let go of my pride and control, the more broken I realise I am, and the more dependent it makes me on the Holy Spirit. It's been a week of praying, God, I'm weary but you're my strength. It's God, I I don't know how to carry all this weight, but your yoke is easy and your burden is light. It's God, I'm out of ideas. I feel poor, but you are my source of answer and joy. Come on, just stand with me this morning. Maybe today, before we give, we're actually gonna learn how to receive. Maybe this week, and we should, please don't get this wrong, we should ask, keep on seeking and knocking. All that is true, but held in perfect tension with remembering what we're not and that He is the source. It's saying, God, I I, I can't do this and I won't do this and I don't wanna do this if you won't bless me. There's a race to run. I mean, you've got to lace up. You've got to get your work boots on. You've got to get your runners on. You've got to get your gym shoes on. Sometimes you've got to get your high heels on and just do what's got to be done. But there's an order. 
every day and in every season. Resting in, receiving from, and running for. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you, and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes and my past, and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did, and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, Thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace, and the Word of God go with you from this day forward, and I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey, why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you, and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.